on this Easter Sunday 2020, in this age of pandemic, we read once again the same scripture that we read every Easter Sunday. And for some of you, today's message will sound completely new. And for others, it will sound absolutely familiar because this is a story that we revisit every single year. It is from the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, and versions of it. But I invite you right now, if you have a Bible at home, pull out your Bible and the Gospel of John in the New Testament. If if you want to Google it and just put it up on your computer or your phone, you can Google the Gospel of John, chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, and Hank will put the reference on our Facebook Live feed so that you can read along with me. And if you've never heard this story before, let me give you just a quick intro. Because the story is from the New Testament, which is the section of the Bible that is about Jesus. And Jesus had taught for three years. He died on a Friday, which we call Good Friday, And his body had been put in a tomb. The disciples, like everyone else and like you and like I, we thought dead people stayed dead. We still do. And that was the common wisdom. Dead people stayed dead. But early on that Sunday morning, we meet some of the people who followed Jesus on their way to the tomb to meet, pay their respects. And they discovered something that they never expected. So settle in. This is 18 verses of scripture, which is a long passage, but it's Easter Sunday, so we're given some leeway. So settle in, read along with me, or just close your eyes and hear the rhythm of this story. Early on the first day of the week, while it was still dark, Mary Magdalene came to the tomb and saw that the stone had been removed from the tomb. God is still rolling stones doesn't say that in the scripture, but that's what it means. God rolled that stone and is still rolling stones. So Mary Magdalene ran and went to Simon Peter and the other disciple, the one whom Jesus loved, and said to them, They have taken the Lord out of the tomb, and we do not know where they have laid him. Then Peter and the other disciples set out and went towards the tomb. The two were running together, but then the other disciple outran Peter and reached the tomb first. He bent down to look in and saw the linen wrappings lying there, and he did not go in. And then Simon Peter came following him and went into the tomb. He saw the linen wrappings lying there and the cloth that had been on Jesus' head, not lying with the linen wrappings, but rolled up in a place by itself. Then the other disciple who reached the tomb first also went in and he saw and believed. For as yet they did not understand the scripture that Jesus must rise from the dead. Then those disciples returned to their homes. But Mary, but Mary stood weeping outside the tomb. As she wept, she bent over to look into the tomb and she saw two angels in white sitting where the body of Jesus had been lying, one at the head and the other at the feet. They said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? She said to them, They have taken away my Lord, and I do not know where they have laid him. 
When she had said this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not know that it was Jesus. Jesus said to her, Woman, why are you weeping? For whom are you looking? And supposing him to be the gardener, Mary said to him, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus called her name and said to her, Mary. She turned and said to him in Hebrew, Rabbi, which means teacher. Jesus said to her, do not hold on to me. Keep your distance. Do not hold on to me because I have not yet ascended to the father. But go to my brothers and say to them, I am ascending to my father and your father, to my God and your God. Mary Magdalene went and announced to the disciples, I have seen the Lord. And she told them that she had said these things, that he had said these things to her. Here ends a reading that is 2,000 years old. Thanks be to God. Thank you. I do just have to say it's just strange not having the congregation here on Easter. And we very much miss each of you. If you see us getting a little emotional or filled with the spirit or whatever it might be, it's because we are deeply missing you. And we know that many of you are missing us and some of you are new to us today. So we hope that by doing Easter in this new way, by staying connected, we can continue to share the power of the gospel in the midst of a pandemic that has it's put a darkness on our people. But the song that you'll hear that was the inspiration for an earlier version of this sermon was that the darkness should have known that God is still rolling stones. And you get extra points today. If you can let me know which song that's from, you'll hear it later in the service. But if you know now where that's from, put it online and let me know. Because the darkness should have known that God is still rolling stones. Let us pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditations of our hearts be acceptable in thy sight. O God, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. Well, I've mentioned several times that this is an Easter really unlike any other in recent history. The fear of catching or maybe more importantly, transmitting the deadly COVID-19 coronavirus has us all sheltering at home, or at least most of us sheltering at home all across this world this Easter Sunday Instead of participating in our community Easter egg hunts, our local church services, or Sunday brunch in the city, it was eerie driving downtown this Easter Sunday, and there wasn't a lot of traffic as people would normally be jockeying for position at their favorite restaurant for Easter Sunday brunch. It was eerily quiet and calm. But the calm really belied a a deeper truth, which is that most of us have had our lives utterly disrupted by this virus. Can I get an amen online? This virus has utterly disrupted our lives. And the fear that the virus has caused has deeply impacted most of us. I really like the column that David Brooks published on the eve of Good Friday 
And the New York Times called the pandemic of fear and agony. Have you heard of that? It's called the pandemic of fear and agony. I commend it to you. Read it this afternoon as part of your spiritual discipline. Local Ohio public health hero, Dr. Amy Acton. Can I get an amen for Dr. Amy? But local public health hero, Dr. Amy Acton, mentioned the column on Good Friday during the governor's daily news briefing about the pandemic. If you don't know Dr. Amy, she's the one who's been urging us to don our masks and our metaphorical capes as we dare to find heroic ways to help each other here in Ohio, including practicing what she and David Brooks call aggressive friendship by checking up on each other. It's kind of an extrovert's dream, really, aggressive friendship, but the problem is we have to do it from a distance. We can't give you a hug. We can't give you a handshake. But aggressive friendship is nothing new because the good news is that while this coronavirus may be novel, right, it's called a novel coronavirus because it's never been around before and none of us have any immunity to it. The good news is, is that while the coronavirus may be novel, our faith tradition is not. This is not the first pandemic or plague that Christians have dealt with, nor will it probably be the last. Instead, this Easter, as we have done for 2,000 years, we share the same story about the greatest dare in human history. When Jesus stared death in the face with love, and love prevailed over the grave, because darkness should have known that God is still rolling stones. So, I want to poll our online viewers for a moment. Is Easter a new concept for you, or have you observed Easter before? Let me know kind of, have you observed Easter before, yes or no? Just give us a reply online. And then I have a follow-up question. If you've observed Easter before, what are some of your favorite Easter memories? Take a minute and share some of those online if you're comfortable doing that. Think about things like the special Easter outfits. How many remember Easter bonnets and gloves? Pastor Mary, you remember that? Easter dresses and bonnets and gloves? We're going to have to start wearing bonnets the more our roots grow out, folks. We might be wearing, like, May bonnets. Do you remember those special holiday meals with ham or, I don't know, what are your special dishes? Put them up online. What were your favorite holiday meals on Easter? And what about Easter egg hunts? Have you participated in those or set those up for your kids? I know Pastor Mary has done some really big ones, Easter egg hunts for lots of kids. And how many of you, even today, made sure that the little ones in your life had Easter baskets filled with goodies from the Easter Bunny? Can I get an amen to the Easter Bunny? Because, you know, we would not have the Easter Bunny without Easter Jesus. Did you know that? We would not have the Easter Bunny without Easter Jesus. So even though Easter has gotten awfully commercialized, we would not have the Easter Bunny without Easter Jesus. Look it up. A quick hop over to Wikipedia will answer any questions you might have about that brief historical reference. We would not have the Easter Bunny without Easter Jesus. Well, each Easter, pandemic or not, Christians for 2,000 years have asked the same question. 
How do we reach each one of you this Easter with a message of hope, even if right now we have to do it through the computer and the smartphone, and we can't necessarily have a, the kind of free exchange that we might have if you were here in the sanctuary right now? But it's the same question. How do we reach you this Easter as we have for 2,000 years with the message of hope and new life? Well, we do it by daring to tell the same resurrection story, the same one we've told for 2,000 years, since the time of that very first Easter sermon, when Mary dared to utter those iconic words, I have seen the Lord. And why do we do it? Because no matter where you are right now in your belief systems, the resurrection of Jesus the Christ radically redefined our human reality and changed human history, even though sometimes that left us with more questions than answers. And thank God for churches like this where we are invited to live our questions. We don't presume to have all the answers, but instead we know that God has given us to each other to wrestle with some of that together. So each Easter, you will see Christian preachers generally take one of three approaches to the resurrection story. And you have to know that um, as I wrote probably three sermons for today, none of which I'm delivering because I had to go back to the beginning, because in the age of pandemic, when the whole world's been turned upside down, I thought, what better to do than follow 2,000 years of theologians and preachers who said, just go back to the beginning Just tell the story. So typically, preachers will take one of three approaches to just telling the Easter story. And I'm going to touch on each one a little bit today because I do want to give you a little bit of teaching. If you haven't already hit the mute button, if you're not already getting that second cup of coffee, I want to do just a little teaching because it is Easter. There are three approaches. There's the more literal approach of proving that the resurrection happened 2,000 years ago, which often pits science and religion against each other. So I'll get to that in a minute. There's second, the more contemporary approach of practicing resurrection and what that looks like, especially in an age of pandemic and doubt. And there's third, the ever-present and I think more pressing proclamation challenge in this pandemic. It's the challenge of proclaiming the resurrection in our postmodern pandemic-filled world where nothing right now may seem to make a lot of sense. And there's always the fourth approach, which we've adopted for today. If all else fails, I hope that we reach you through the power of the music that we have here at St. John's. Our music distinguishes us from other churches in downtown Columbus and maybe in this region of Ohio. We are telling the same story today, but you'll hear it done musically and from the pulpit in ways that you may never have heard before. We hope at the very least you are not bored. We hope you are intrigued, and we hope that you'll keep joining us each Sunday online at 11 o'clock during this pandemic. We hope you'll join us. I think it's Monday evening when Miss Mary is going to be offering story time. Go to our Facebook page and look at our events. Join us Wednesday night if you want to be on the uh, Wednesday night class. Join us every other week for our gospel choir practice from home. Join us in the ways that we are thinking of connecting with you as our time away from each other extends. 
Some of you have even suggested we just do pastor with the pizza and go on Facebook live and and answer questions together. But let me today take you through the three approaches to Easter in the hopes that one of these approaches will work for for all of you. Now, again, when we talk about proving the resurrection, some of you may have already tuned out because you're not sure you even believe in the resurrection and you definitely don't want to have to explain it to anybody. All right? And we do know from various independent historical resources that the man that we call Jesus did in fact walk this earth and he was killed for challenging the empire of his day and he died. We do know that. Take a look at Marcus Borg's book, The Heart of Christianity. There are lots of resources out there to back that up. But today we wrestle with what happened after Jesus' death at the empty tomb with Mary. And we are now 2,000 years past the scientific knowledge that was available to Mary and the early disciples. And we understand the world very differently than we did 2,000 years ago. You know, 2,000 years ago, they did not have public health officials like Dr. Amy Acton and cool statistical graphs to explain things for us. Because there really shouldn't be this war between science and religion. There just shouldn't be. It doesn't make any sense. Can I get an amen to that one online? So rather than wade through 2,000 years of proof of Jesus' resurrection... We just don't have time for that today. I invite you to think of Jesus' resurrection in just one new way. And our church members, you know this. It's from the rock group U2. It's from Bono, who is a Christian. He's a devout Christian. And he put it this way. He's a songwriter, so he thinks of things in new ways. And he said, Jesus' resurrection was when the universe exploded in one man's life. When the universe exploded in one man's life. So Easter is our miraculous spiritual supernova of renewal and revival. You know, another writer said that, a songwriter said that the purpose of death is the release of love. So think about that. Because none of us get out of this world alive. Our fear of death incapacitates us sometimes. None of us get out of this world alive. But if we begin to think about death as the release of love, it might bring us some comfort. Because science today tells us that nothing, not matter, not energy, nothing is ever really lost from our universe. It is merely transformed into something else. And our scientists weigh in on that. It reminds me of the Black Eyed Peas song, The Energy Never Dies. I've talked about that in class If you heard about that, the END, can I get an amen online if you even know about the Black Eyed Peas or you've heard the song, The Energy Never Dies, or you still have that CD in your car, raise your hand online. It's actually a very good song, The Energy Never Dies. So we could say that Jesus' death released his love, God's love, into our world in a new way to metaphysically impact us all. It's fascinating. But today, I have to own the fact that I am a theologian. I am not a scientist. And what I know for sure as a theologian is that Jesus' resurrection radically redefined our human reality. So we know that something happened. 
Each year I try and remind our congregation of this. I hope that you are able to recite this now with me, that Jesus Jesus' resurrection literally split human history into B.C. or A.D. Remember that B.C. before Christ? A.D. Anno Domini in the year of the Lord in medieval Latin. After death, after Christ. Did you know that everything in our human calendar is still graded as either A.D. or B.C. or B.C.E. based on the event of the resurrection? Did you know that? Let me know online if you knew that. That we still date our human calendar based on the resurrection of Jesus. So we know something happened. I also want to say this and add online if you can think of anything else. But these are the things that I could find in my research and in my work with other theologians. You know that Jesus never wrote a book. He never wrote anything down. He taught. He lived. He performed miracles. People witnessed to what he was doing. But he never wrote a book. And yet there are more books written about Jesus than any other subject in the world. Jesus also never composed a song. But there is more music written about Jesus than any other subject in history. Jesus never built any buildings. Yet there is more architecture built in honor of Jesus to glorify Jesus and God than any other possible subject on the planet. I mean, just look around at this one magnificent sanctuary for one local church. I don't know if you can see it online today, if you can see all of the architecture. But take a look at our website and take a look at the sanctuary. It's just what one local congregation did almost 150 years ago to begin building something in honor of Jesus and to have a community in which to gather and and worship together. I'll share a few more. Let me know online if you can think of some others. But Jesus never traveled more than 200 miles from his hometown during his earthly ministry. Did you know that? I like to say that he did not have a private pastor jet or podcast or TV shows to spread his revolutionary message of love and inclusion. Yet even without Internet or online worship, you can find all over the world right now on Easter Sunday followers of Jesus Christ. And I'll share kind of a funny one that my daughter loves was that in contrast to Jesus's time of empire when he was preaching and teaching. Today, Caesar is a salad and not the ruler of an empire. And Pilate, or Pontius Pilate, a pilot flies an airplane rather than being a Roman governor. Since Jesus' life, the Roman Empire has been extinguished. And it is the humble followers of Jesus who live on. The powerful and the mighty have become mere footnotes in history to the story of Jesus the Christ that we celebrate today. That in and of itself is profound and significant. So I don't know if I can prove Jesus' resurrection to you, but I can share those facts with you to say something happened, something profound, something for us to wrestle with. Which leads me to the second way in which most preachers talk about the resurrection, which is how do we practice the resurrection. It's the second major approach on Easter Sunday. Because Easter challenges us most when we try to live into the paradox of the resurrection. A writer once said that we are Easter people living in a Good Friday world. And that makes more sense to me this day than it has ever before. I mean, I think this Easter 
is the most honest one I've ever had. I think the rest of them were preparation for Easter during a pandemic. Maybe the rest of them were merely dress up with all those Easter bonnets and hats and gloves while we practiced and rehearsed for an honest Easter in the age of pandemic in our generation where we said, how do we offer hope when there's death all around us? When every time you turn on the news, whichever news station you watch, you turn it on and every day you know what you're seeing, which is the numbers going up and up. And I don't know that it's good news to say that we're only going to lose 60,000 people instead of 100,000 people. I don't know if it's good news to say the bad news isn't quite so bad. I think we're living in a good Friday world and we have to determine how to be Easter people. In the midst of pandemic and fear, I think today's Easter is brutally honest rather than saccharine sweet. And I find hope in that. So I want to share with you a story that I just love from writer Anne Lamott. Some of you are going to be hearing it for the first time. So others of you know that this is a favorite of mine. But she was asked how the meaning of Easter changed for her. And she described an experience that she wrote in one of her books that is wonderful. And I'll just share it briefly. Anne Lamott wrote this. She said, when I was 38, seems young now, right? She says, when I was 38, my best friend, Pammy died and they were the same age. Anne writes, we went shopping about two weeks before Pammy died and she was in a wig and a wheelchair. Anne wrote, I was buying a dress for this boyfriend I was trying to impress, and I bought a tighter, shorter dress than I was used to. And I said to Pammy, do you think this makes my hips look look big? Ladies, can I get an amen to those kind of discussions with your girlfriends? Do you think this dress makes my hips look big? And Pammy said to me so calmly, Anne, you don't have that kind of time. And Anne Lamott goes on to write, I think Easter has been about the resonance of that simple statement. You don't have that kind of time. And that's when I stop. When I go into contemplation and meditation. When I breathe again and do the sacred action of plopping and hanging my head for prayer and being done with my own agenda, I hear that you don't have that kind of time. You have time only to cultivate presence and authenticity and service, praying against all odds to get your sense of humor back. That's how Easter has changed for me, said Anne. That was the day my life changed when my friend said that to me. During this pandemic, we will not be untouched. We will all know someone who is impacted by this, whether or not we personally lose someone. We don't have that kind of time. But each Easter Sunday, we are reminded that joy is possible in the midst of sorrow, that laughs are as honorable as tears as we make the most of our time here on earth. You know, Easter, this is a reason why this is a brutally honest Easter in the midst of a Good Friday world. We are not on an unlimited time plan here on earth. How many of you have kids that are like, I need an unlimited time plan on my phone so that the minutes don't count? 
How many of you, give me an amen online, if you had to get your kids an unlimited time plan so their minutes don't count. But I have to tell you, we're not on an unlimited time plan here on earth. We only get so many minutes per day. 1,444 minutes per day, 525,600 minutes. Who can name that song? Give me an amen online. Hopefully I was in tune. We only get a certain, yes, the musicians are telling me I'm in tune. All right, home, we're on Easter Sunday. Right. We only have so much time here on earth. It's just that sometimes we don't know how to function in the midst of life's pain. We don't know how to fully live in the midst of our panic and despair during a once-in-a-lifetime pandemic. And that's why each Easter, and this Easter in particular, We are reminded to practice the resurrection, and we won't get it right every time. This is about practice, not perfection. And how do we do that every day, especially because our emotions may be all over the place in the midst of this pandemic? We do it by remembering that that we're just asked to show up. We're, We're reminded that our spiritual power every day is the power to start over, to forgive, to keep going when we feel like giving up or to rest when we feel weary. Each Easter, we are reminded to keep practicing the resurrection with a God who implants in our hearts the truth that we shall be made new again and again. We just need to not stop trying. But we know that new can be messy. New can be scary, like the birth of a new baby. So hello, baby Avery, with props to new dads, Jeff and Dwayne. And I so appreciate being able to serve in a church where I can honor our two dads who just adopted baby Avery. Can we give them an applause and an amen online? And new can be messy and new can be scary. I want to honor baby Liam, who lost his grandfather, a member of this church. And the family struggling with how do we keep John's memory alive for this first grandchild born into the family. New can be messy. It can be scary. It can involve loss. It can involve starting again. It's like the planting of a spring garden in the midst of a pandemic, not knowing what is going to bloom. Yet no matter what, I love this quote, no matter what, God keeps reaching down into the dirt and mistakes of our humanity and keeps resurrecting us from the graves that we dig for ourselves. God keeps loving us back to life over and over again. And that is a wonderful modern description of the resurrection, that God just keeps loving us back to life over and over again. And we each know that really deep in our hearts. Which brings me to the third and final approach to Easter preaching, which is proclaiming the resurrection. It's the point of today's story. I thought it was interesting as I grappled with so many versions of this sermon and not really knowing what to say today to an empty sanctuary. And I found this image of an empty street in Europe. And it says, I have seen the Lord. But it's empty. It is so hard for me to preach to an empty sanctuary. But then I remembered that Mary was in isolation. Think about it. Everyone else had left. Mary stayed in isolation at the empty tomb. The confused men had left. 
But Jesus did not leave her in her isolation. When the time came, Jesus sent Mary back into her community with a message. What was that message? Tell me online. There's your cheat sheet right there. Jesus did not leave her in isolation. He sent her back into her community with a profound message. And in contemporary terms, what that means when we think about proclaiming the resurrection is that when we thought we were alone in our isolation, our sorrow, we find a community of care. You all are online. Let each other know that you're there right now. Give some care and love to each other. Let people know that you're thinking of them. If you see their name online, make a point to call them this week. The resurrection means that when we are alone in our doubts and our questions about this pandemic, we find ourselves in a community of seekers. We have people to zoom into classes and to go on Facebook Live and to call each other. Thank goodness for the good old-fashioned telephone call where we can share our questions and our doubts and learn that we're not alone in those. Resurrection means that when we thought we were alone in our fears, and these are legitimate fears, about just going to the grocery store or the pharmacy or picking up a child or helping a a neighbor or an elderly relative. When we thought we were alone in our fears, resurrection teaches us that we discover people who are willing to walk with us. Resurrection, especially this Easter Sunday, it takes our isolation and it connects us with community, even when that community has to be a safe distance away from us this Easter Sunday. Which really brings me to the good news that I'm here to proclaim today, the good news of Easter. And it's more apparent to me than ever this Easter. Because the good news of Easter is the church. The good news of Easter is a community of people who hope together and who journey with us so that we are not alone. If you are new to us today, those of you, uh, those of you who are church members, you've heard this. And I, I just picked a couple of pictures last night as I was thinking about how to do this. Because if you are new to us today, our church was called almost 150 years ago to bear witness to the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And we truly are just a bunch of ordinary people who are drawn together in this community, this body of Christ, because we believe that the heart of God has been revealed in the life death, and resurrection of Jesus the Christ. And here at St. John's, we continue, if even right now from a safe distance, we continue to forge a faith community for a new era, a joyful faith community that is a beacon of hope in the heart of this city, ministering to the least, the last, and the lost. We have someone here today who is helping us lead our to-go meal program. We do this in the hope that there are people like you and me, people who need our advocacy on behalf of the the LGBTQIA plus community, people who need the daily services of the open shelter for food and clothing, shelter and medical care. The open shelter remains open on limited hours to help our homeless neighbors, many of whom are suffering at the margins tremendously right now during this pandemic. 
We gather, even from a safe distance, in the hope that people who need this to-go pandemic meal on Wednesdays during the largest meal program will find us and will get a to-go meal that may be their only meal of the day. We gather in this community here at St. John's in the hope that people who need to sleep on our church porch at night are able to be here when all else fails. And I have to tell you, as you rest in the comfort of your homes, we still have people sleeping on our porch every night because there's no other place for them to go during this pandemic. That, that is a, is a shame. And we are going to be here for people who are young and old. Hungry and fed, homeless and housed, gay and straight, poor and rich, grieving and comforted. We hope everyone, I'm so sorry, I'm getting emotional because I miss y'all so much. Oh, give me a minute. We hope everyone, even from a safe distance, will find someone at St. John's they can call their friend. And if you are new to us today, please fill out the form online. Let us know that you're there so that we can reach out. And give you a call or send you a text or a message. Because we are here today. Sorry, I'm getting emotional. But we're here today on an Easter like no other. We do it in the resurrection hope. That by ministering to people other than ourselves, every member of this worship team is here. Because we are here in the hope that by ministering to people other than ourselves, by creating a community where all are welcome and no one is rejected, by tending to the least of these in their hour of their need, and that means all of you who are suffering silently at home, by ministering to the least of these in your hour of need, we trust that we have ministered to Jesus Christ himself and honored God's will for our world. We, in community together, safely distanced during this pandemic, but still ministering to our blessed city. We are here today doing this all because 2,000 years ago, one faithful woman dared to shout to her friends from a distance, I have seen the Lord. Thanks be to God. Let us pray. Loving God, who on this day dared darkness and rolled stones away, turned darkness into light and despair into delight. Give us renewed resurrection eyes and stronger Easter muscles so that we might bring greater happiness, joy, and hope to each other and to this earth. On this Easter Sunday 2020, our pandemic Easter Sunday, God, we ask that you continue to reveal the mystery of Jesus' resurrection. We ask that you continue to let the darkness know that you are rolling stones so that we may more fully walk in the way, serve in the light, and stand in the truth. In the name of your Son, Jesus, the risen Christ, amen.